0: to His Lens My Image Podcast. I'm your host, maisha Price. And today I have the privilege and honor of sitting down with someone who I've known for a long time, but that I hold in a, I would say a very high regards to people who are committed to the culture that is committed to their community, that is committed to change and seeing effective change in this world. And I have none other than to y'all and to the most, they know him as freedom, but his name is Darren green. Um, today, um, Darren, we're going to have a conversation as we lean in on this topic of the impact of a man and understanding why it's important to have men Mm. in your life. Mm. And Darren, Darren is the man for the job. Darren Green, like I said, is known to many as Freedom. He is a native of Trenton, New Jersey, and is a leader in his community, an activist for change, and a warrior for people. A man that is full of so much knowledge, that is known for shaking a room once he has entered. That's- Visionaries, help me welcome to the podcast Freedom. Freedom, no, thank no, you. No doubt. Thank I, you. I pre- no doubt. Appreciate you having me, sir. <laughs> appreciate you having let's get,
1: let's get to the work.
0: <laughs> Y'all see where we go with <laughs> this already. Get let's get to the work. We see where we go going with this. Yeah. You know, and something that I see that is not so common that you had, and I have the privilege of knowing your mother and your father um, but growing up in a two-parent home yeah. of very good stock i would say and substantial individuals that was about making sure their children grew up to be something
1: yeah.
0: um, and make change how was that dynamic for you as a man growing up in that environment
1: I'll be honest with you, sis. I really didn't value it until mm-hmm. I got older and started teaching in the schools mm-hmm. and in the community. And I saw the damage done by babies who didn't have what I was blessed with. Right. Wow. So having my mother and father in the home is a blueprint for how it's supposed to be done. Right. One, I got to see my father, you knowing he's the anchor. Uh, he's the foundation. I dress the way I dress. He's almost 80 years old. He's sitting at home right now, retired, 20-plus years but he has a three-piece suit. So, <laughs> he likes. <lying>. Right. So, <laughs> so the blueprint on how a man carries himself, dresses, he calls it the uniform. And he's like, son, we're always sharp because we never know. We're always prepared. And when we go into a room, we want people to ask, who is that? And then we want to be qualified to answer the question. So not just looking the part, but mm-hmm. in seeing how to operate as a man, to think, move, and, and have a cultural context of black manhood. Uh, and then seeing my father as a director for the city uh, for 40 plus years. So in the home, he was the father teaching me knowledge self, how to be a black man, how to move and operate. But I think the thing that that moved me the most was how he treated my mother. You know, and when I learned the value of that, I don't talk loud. I don't disrespect women because I saw my father, even in disagreements, he never called my mother out of her name. He never disrespected her. So, the beauty and blessing of having both in the home, you get a blueprint, an eternal blueprint in your mind of what it's supposed to look like. So, from a man perspective, you get the foundation of what black manhood requires. And then from a woman perspective, you know, I'm still not strong enough to talk about my mother because I'm getting wound up now. (laughs) But it's it's just seeing seeing the classiness and how to carry oneself. And that laid the foundation for me on I would actually say that's probably why I'm not married now. Because if I don't see my mother in the women I'm talking to, I lose interest.
0: Absolutely <laughs> Because you You've already had that blueprint Right You saw what right. a one, How a woman Should carry right. themselves right. And um, what they should do And right. how they should act And how they should present in Themselves in this world Right And to Especially in this Climate Right You know Right And like I said To know your mother Right who, You know yeah, right. yeah She was She, she was, was a social worker
1: Right and My father was a, a A director for the city So the work that you see me doing I was shaped in that Coming up, and when you're shaped to be a masterpiece by masterpieces, people shouldn't be surprised by anything I do because I was birthed to be great.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And ironically enough, although your mom worked. As a social worker, and worked with my mom. Huh? I worked under your dad, right, at the city during so you know. the summer, so you and know. not knowing and just knowing his personality and knowing him, he was always on a thousand, oh, but God. he was always fighting right. for change, for the change. And, and for from the things people, better. Yo. and not just not just at home, not just at work, but he was a pillar in his church as well. Oh, he on. wasn't one to be messed with. No, champ,
1: champ, <laughs> again, chairman, deacon board for forty years. Shallow Baptist Church. So while he was doing the work on Sunday, part of why I'm a speaker is I was in pastor. That's how it was in study while my father was making sure the ministries were right, making sure people had food, making sure things were being done right in the community. And I was learning how to speak, preach, and teach, but it was all part of my experience. And I'm eternally grateful for all of it.
0: Just having the opportunity to know you, all of that, and seeing how much seeds have been planted into you yeah. and just to now see them just flourishing. And like you said, you didn't appreciate it until you got older. Nah. Um, and that's a lot of times we don't appreciate things mm-hmm. growing up. Yep. We just think our parents being mean or they being strict <laughs> or man, they just don't want me to just be great. Right. They just want me to just always be the right. way they want me to be. They don't want me just live my life. But really what they're doing is giving, setting a foundation because they already know what this world yep. is going to present. Yep. And guess what? It, it was different for them.
1: Yep. No doubt.
0: And it's definitely different for us now, yeah. but still in all... The, the impact and knowing what you're going to have to face as a man no and doubt. not just any man but a black man no in doubt. America no you doubt. know he, he there's all things that they knew was coming up the funnel no but doubt. they wanted to make sure you were equipped with it no doubt. No so no doubt. you know understand that so as you you know you serve in your community which you are If there, it's funny because when situations arise in the city <laughs> I, it's hilarious that I see people tag him in comments right. and I'm like like y'all act like <laughs> Freedom is the spokesperson for the people. Like, I don't care what it is. Yeah. If there's a water main break, yeah. if a tree done fell yeah. on the corner, yeah. freedom. We yeah. need you like yeah. we need you respond to this. Yeah. Like yeah. Dude, do y'all call do y'all call your locals no. for this? No. And no. it's almost like you get more accomplished. Doing what you do yeah. out here, yeah, than you would behind a desk, no doubt. Being in the pot, although you know you ran for politics, but I, I think your 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 placement in this. In the scene and how your impact is, being in the office will box you in. Yeah. And you can, you, you more hands on. You, you
1: more. And it's funny you say that, Pastor Cox, one, one, of, one of my, uh, my, my heroes as well, always says they can't box you in. Don't let them box you in, bro. And, and Pastor Bellamy says the same thing. He's like, you weren't built to be in a box. And then I think the other thing, the bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. When you're in the political paradigm, when you're moving and navigating through those paths, you're kind of confined to what you can do. I freelance and I'm able just to get stuff done. And that's why people tag my name. They know I'm going to address it. They know I'm going to be assertive with it. I'm not going to give you no excuses because Mm -hmm. again, I've seen what that looks like and I don't ever want to look like that. And I I have a deep value and appreciation, again, for my father. When he put his hands on something, he didn't stop until it was completed. And he said, you know, one of the things we have to do in doing this work, which is really God's work in whatever capacity Mm -hmm. it unfolds, is making sure we take things from Genesis is the revelations, you know, making sure we do the work, but also serve the people in such a way where we empower them to see that they're not worthless, because in our communities and in our society, a lot of our people feel that way.
0: And and, and glad you went straight there, because (laughs) being the person that you are in the community, Mm when we see so much going on and such a lack of male presence, no of doubt. good male presence no in the community, and especially in the urban community, mm-hmm. what do you think is the root of the problem with the development of men and that that absent, that absent part. We know the absent part of a male in the household is a big issue. Right. But getting to the root of the problem.
1: I mean, it's a deeply rooted issue since we probably can do a few shows on it, but just a snapshot. One, we have never dealt with the reality of being physically in bondage for 400 plus years. Mm-hmm. Right. The physical bondage is one thing, but the psychological, the emotional, the mental damage of being enslaved, literally in slavery, We had to destroy one another to survive. What do you see happening in our community daily? Mm -hmm. So a lot of that, the pathology that exists there, has to be addressed. And what I mean by that, it has to be dialogue. There has to be solutions drawn up from that dialogue. Mm -hmm. And there has to be processes put in place policy-wise, right, to address the damage done. So another piece would be, Many of our communities are void of males because of the dynamic of welfare. That institution mm-hmm. mandated in many ways policy-wise that men be removed from the homes. So me being an administrator and, you know, the work that I do in Trenton Public Housing, I literally see homes where men are comfortable operating outside of the home, like they feel like they don't belong there. So as long as policies and institutions are put in play that keep our men devoid of being in, you know, internally a part of the fabric of shaping their home structure, not just giving money, No. What made me get wound up, what makes me get watery eyed, when I came in, my father was home at night. When I woke up in the morning, guess who I saw? That mattered to me. Mm -hmm. And it made and shaped and molded how I am. And I think until you deal with the dynamics of all of that. And the last piece I'll say is Nixon declared a war on drugs. The war on drugs is really a war on black and brown Communities, mm-hmm. and part of that war was it left us with incarceration, and it left us with the the plague or the the pain of having uh, all of our communities caught up on captivated on drugs. Mm-hmm. But I, when when the question is asked, where are our men? You know, I know from the funerals we do, the ministries we're a part of, many of them are returning citizens. So there's almost a psychological trauma of thinking. And I was a shift commander in juvenile detention for eight years it was almost a badge of honor for those young boys to come through juvie detention because mm-hmm. of what happened with the war on drugs and seeing their fathers and, and men who they valued in the community be locked up. Many of them are birthed into a mindset of thinking jail is part of their normal reality. So until we begin to address the systemic issues that keep us moving in a certain way, you're always gonna find your communities devoid of the men because either they're locked up mentally they're physically locked up in six by nine cells or they're psychologically locked into the self-destruction of themselves.
0: There's something you said that um, really kind of stuck out to mm-hmm. me. You say that they don't feel like they are kind of welcomed in the home. Right. Why do you think that is? So? Well,
1: I mean, again, my mother worked in in for Mercer County Board of Socialists, and she used to always talk about how the system made it advantageous for the woman to push the man out. So if inside the home, it's advantageous for the woman to be able to get more monetary compensation, Mm -hmm. more programmatic resources, with the man not there, what kind of mindset is she gonna wrap herself around right now? Now she, you'll hear that. I don't need no man or I'm better off without you and that becomes part of her attitude which impacts his aptitude to thinking he doesn't belong there or you've been in relationships I've been in where you feel like you're not wanted Mm -hmm. that's kind of what we're up against and if internally she's emanating that kind of attitude then externally he feels like he's not a part of that home structure or a part of the relationship and it's kind of easier now with the sick society we live in to operate on the outside, masquerade like you're good, Mm -hmm. when the unity and unification of the universe is man, woman, and child, sun, moon, and stars. And you need to be right amongst your wife, your children, and that man. But until we rebuild what's broken and allow all pieces to be unified as one, not saying everything is going to always be good, but just knowing The
0: foundation of our greatness is in family. You said that, and it seemed like so many bells and whistles went off in my head, (laughs) like, you know, this is really, because when I think about it, just how you said that, it pushes them out because they get more benefits If it's only the mother or it's only one in the house Right, right So it pushes them out that, guess what No, I don't need you because the system's gonna give me more money to live off of If you, if they know you're not here right. Or they feel the need to lie on paperwork to say you don't live there Because they need to keep that money in But they don't want nobody else to know that They don't need the housing people knowing right. I got an extra person here right. So think of, the, think of that preciousness That's a psychological
1: yeah. traumatization of you saying, well, listen, I get $200 more if you're not here. I mean, I hate to say it, but it is what it is. Yeah, and, and
0: somebody $200 is a lot of money.
1: It's a lot of money. And again, you begin to put monetary compensation or value on something that's eternal. So until we change that dynamic, you're going to always find women move. And I'm not faulting women. I'm not blaming women. No. That's just the reality we're dealing with. It's, it's a system it's that a, made it a, like a that. a systemic reality. And again, until we have that hard painful conversation of what is and why it is, we can never get to what needs to be.
0: Man. See, this is why you have conversations <laughs> with <the freak. laughs> Okay. You get a lot of understanding. Yeah. Like when I said yeah. knowledge, I meant what I said. But Lumped that down. just kind of just opened a floodgates of things. Because when I think about even in systems of getting health care, and systems of even filing taxes, for goodness sake. They penalize you more, you know, for if you if you buy by yourself, it's one thing. It's almost like they, they penalize you for being with another person. And it's sad because when you look at it from that aspect, mm-hmm. that it's it's kind of the system is a cycle of just kind of trying to keep us in a hole.
1: It is designed it is designed to not hurt but to eradicate the one thing that always made us great, family. So until, think about it, family is-
0: But what does that do?
1: You take our family, that hurts. It hurts, it's painful, but it's also the first institution of learning, right? So you and I were blessed to have great families. Our mannerisms, our way we treat people, the way we see the world, Mm -hmm. was shaped not at school, but in our families. Mm -hmm. And until we get back to rebuilding where everybody's understanding of value for self, family, like my father used to always say, Son, never embarrass me and your mother," he said. Because when you do, when I catch you wherever you are, I'm going to embarrass you. You know how that stayed with me when I'm making decisions uh, amongst my peers, you know, and you I can see he, him right. And I mean, <laughs> he struggles walking now, but he was sick five and domineering. And when he said it, never embarrass. All I thought about was when people told me, "Man, let's cut of school," <laughs> because it stayed with me. So going back to your first question, that blueprint laid the foundation for how I thought, how I moved, how I operated, because it wasn't even about me anymore, it was about making sure I didn't embarrass my family. And again, think about the babies we see in the streets, the things that occur, the behavior we're often offended and repulsed by, it's because they don't have something bigger to live for. And until we get back to rebounding those things that are lost, can't have a new world.
0: Right, and like you said, I see so much that is praised. Right. To go to jail and say, "Oh man," or 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 forget jail. Let's let's talk about it's praise for you to get shot, right, right? For right. you to, to for you to survive a bullet, right? That's not something to praise about. No. I, that that I now have a bullet that's still stuck in me that is never going to be able to be taken out because if they take it out, it's going to kill me.
1: I mean, our whole definition to your original point of manhood has been distorted. And now you have generations whose whole value system is shaped on a, on a family and a community that has the wrong values. And we value the wrong... Like, people will go and celebrate coming home parties. Yes. How about we go and get to a place where we cultivate, resurrect principles, where we stop going to jail? Right. Right? And deal with that dynamic so we don't have to have coming home parties.
0: No. Every day I see it and I, I shake it like you just did. I right. shake my head yeah. and be like, "What is going on we in this normalize. society that we we have made this a normalization yeah. of it hurts. this right here?" And it hurts
1: when you it see does. it. It hurts because you recognize, and one of the things I say in my professional development to teachers to institutions is: these babies are giving birth to babies, yes. so now you're getting not generational wealth but generational poverty. Perpetuated through the procreation, if you don't know anything, what are you going to teach your child? Or if you know all the wrong things, what are you going to hand your child? Mm -hmm. So we're now losing generations in the midst of the madness that we've normalized. Like it's normal. Like you said, it's normal now to be shot. Mm -hmm. It's normal now to bury babies. It's normal now to see Mm -hmm. domestic violence situations
0: be made normal. No, none of that is normal. Not at all. Not at all, and it's crazy because when I think about that, I I think about growing up. I don't remember going to that many funerals. Right, that is a normal habit for this I, generation. I see they you go to more funerals right. now than I. I hate to say it, but where do I see you?
1: The funeral, hmm. <laughs> right? You open up with a song. I get words of encouragement. I mean, that's sad, mm-hmm. but that's the normal. My inbox stays full, freaking. And I, I know it's part of my assignment, but it's a painful part.
0: Yes, it is. Yeah, Extremely painful. painful and, you know, to have to to endure and to be there and to see, right. not only to see, uh, continue to see the cycle of pain right. that's being perpetuated through our society. That, that part right there is it, it, it takes it a hurts. toll. Yeah. So as a pillar of your community with the, like you said, your inbox is always full mm-hmm. um, and people are always tagging you and you have that voice that is world shaking. Mm-hmm. Um, what is a piece of advice that you would give to this generation um, of importance to try and change this cycle that we Continuously seek. I teach now at Kilmer.
1: Uh, Mm -hmm. I teach at Dunn. I salute to Principal Muzon and Vice Principal Mm -hmm. Mrs. Bathea, Principal Bathea at Kilmer. So I teach at those two schools. And what I teach is critical thinking through the application of purpose. And what I would say to young people who are listening to the sound of my voice. Stop what you're doing and find what it is you were designed. Absolutely. You, you were birthed into this world to do something. There's some gifts, some ability, some unique talent with your name on it. And not only is it beneficial and advantageous for you to find what it is, but then to begin living the rest of your life, defining it to the level of black excellence that nobody else can do with you. I I was birthed to speak. There's no cue cards here. I don't, I get up when I speak at a funeral or somewhere. I don't need you to tell me anything to say. When I get up, it's just in my spirit to frame. And I don't come prepared with thoughts to say. When I get there, I do an examination of who's in the room, and then I just start framing a jewel around how it can be advantageous and beneficial for them. So I would say find and define your purpose. What is your gift? What is your design? What is that God ordained or designed for you to do? Then next, formulate and shape a plan to bring out your purpose. Find five people who do what you, you desire to do. I have I, I crafted my life around speakers. So I can name amazing speakers from Dr. S. Howard Woodson to Pastor Buster Sorries to Malcolm to Martin to Megger. People who literally spoke into the atmosphere of greatness. That's my gift. After you design and find your plan about somebody who does what you do, now it is about moving it into practical application, which means practicing it. I speak, I stand in front of a mirror, in my uh, living room that's about the size of that wall over there and I practice speeches I've never even had to been asked to give you. You practice your craft. If you're a musician, you practice your instrument. Mm-hmm. If you're in a choir, you have choir practice. We do all of these things for sports, but when it comes to practicing the thing we were designed to do, we relegate minimal effort into it and expect maximum output. No, whatever it is you were designed to do, you've got to practice it. And then the last thing is, Understand that what you were designed to do mandates you to have a plan for it, to practice it. And then you must produce. You must use your gift to produce the life you were designed to live. And if you don't, it won't exist because nobody can do it for you. You have to do it for yourself. And understand when you live and what it is you were purposed to do, mm-hmm. you also benefit others because your purpose enhances what others are supposed to be doing and inspires them to find what they're supposed
0: to be doing. I, and this is without me telling him anything about the reason why I decided the Lord laid it on my heart no doubt. to start this podcast or even take me down this road right? because I wanted people to be authentic no and doubt. tell their story no doubt. and to be able to help people find their purpose no doubt. in this earth. No doubt. And it's enough copycats. It's a, we need it original. Is. We
1: need original. And I think some of our pain as we close out says, is people are so captivated with watching and critiquing and examining others, they lose their gift in wanting to be what others are. Absolutely. So find what it is you're supposed to be doing and you'll never be miserable in life because the thing that you were born to do will make a path for you to do it in. and you That's where you'll find the love, peace and happiness you're chasing in all the wrong
0: places. And it's crazy because I remember years ago, um, Mr. Campbell was one of, he was a very good father figure to me and mm-hmm. a very good businessman mm-hmm. that taught me a lot. And I remember some of his very first words to me was, if you remain consistent and always do good work, you'll always have customers. He said, never let nobody tell you what you're worth. You tell them what you're worth. And I, that stuff stuck with me and it carried me and even in my worst days and I'm tired and some days when I just don't feel like giving, doing it or I feel like quitting. There's has the many days I said I was going to shut the business down right. and God will allow somebody to either email me or send me a message or something and be like, I remember when you did this for my mom, right. my child right. years ago and thank you. Right. You, you helped me mm-hmm. in such a way and it doesn't realize that, okay you may be doing graphics or you may be singing at a funeral but don't things right there, those were gifts that God had given me and I've learned how to l- work my lane. Right. I've learned that this is my purpose. And, you know, people ask me all the time, like, how long have you been doing this? Or, you know, what got you into doing this? I was like, I didn't choose this. It right. chose me. I didn't. I was just randomly playing. I loved art. Right. I loved the creativity of right. art. Right, And art turned into somebody throwing a box of software away to me taking it home, doing research to figure out what it was to me playing around on the computer. Right. Making just some little makeshift flyers to a friend of mine, mama dying, and she said, I want something different. Right. You think you know how to do a funeral? Program? I said, well, you give me a mock-up. I'm sure we can figure it out. No doubt, no doubt. And that... Has now been what? We're now going in, we're 18 and a half years in. Right. To something that was not on my agenda. No doubt.
1: At all. Right. And at some point, I'd like to see as I evolve and do what I do, to build you a, a space where you can teach that to the babies. Because now it becomes, not only for you, it's a ministry, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's a ministry, it's purpose, it's therapeutic. But imagine giving that to the babies. Now it's a creative path for them to become Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs, which is what black and brown economics was rooted in. Mm -hmm. You have to have some avenue that allows you to be you and that you can control your own, build your own. You come home and sit up late night and work on that craft. Yep. Right. And produce something that will produce for you. So I just think that's a great path to provide for you and give you an avenue to, again, teach not just young men, but young women in particular, Absolutely. because underneath your tutelage, they're gonna learn graphics, yeah. They're gonna learn art, they're gonna learn the art of all of this, but then they're gonna learn womanhood, which right. is what we as a community always did. We taught skill, vocation, tree, but we also taught womanhood and manhood via example. And if you're never around people who are what you're aspiring to be, how
0: can you learn? Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Listen, this is a conversation that, you know, we can talk about this stuff for hours and days and weeks. Yes. But, you know, I, I thank you no doubt thank, thank you, you for it and even just the, the seeds that you have just uh, poured out to the people no doubt which you do daily no doubt no I, doubt. I don't take this for granted no I, I definitely appreciate your time I know you're a very busy man no but doubt. for those that don't know how can they find you on social media if they want to uh, um, uh Darren you? Green on
1: Facebook and uh uh, uh uh yeah that's it hit me on Facebook and then um uh Darren Darren Green one nine six nine at gmail dot com. Okay. And we can definitely connect, talk, and and move things forward.
0: Listen, if you need somebody that knows how to talk the talk and walk the walk yes, and man. that can speak to your yeah. speak to your children, speak to your community, speak to your school, whatever it is, or even come into your workplace and need somebody that can motivate and that can show you, he's the man for the job okay. and Like I said, I thank you for the time. I thank you for the opportunity to have you on the show today. And I'm sure there's going to be so many people that are going to be blessed by what what you have said Mm -hmm. today and the impact. And, you know, as we lead into celebrating fathers, which I think is such Mm. an under celebrated time. No doubt. We, we hype up Mother's Day, but there are men that are standing, yeah. that are doing what they are supposed to do yeah. and that are standing tall in it. No doubt. And they deserve to be honored no and doubt. celebrated. No doubt. So I thank you. Thank I you. thank you guys for listening and tuning in. And until next time, always remember to be you, love you, and see you for who God has called you to be. Love Have a good one. I'm your host, maisha Price. Okay.